shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. In these verses that we read to you tonight, beginning with verse 10, and reading down through verse 14, or at least through 13, contain tonight this that we're going to preach. These verses contain end-time warnings. These verses also contain end-time challenges and promises. So we're going to deal with that for just a few minutes in that order tonight, and then we're going to get in these altars and pray that we will be ready when that trumpet sounds and the Lord comes to take us out of here. I, anybody else say, preacher, I want to be ready. I don't want to miss that rapture. I'm telling you, when I was a boy growing up, I really didn't mind missing the school bus. You know, that didn't bother me too much to miss that bus. Uh, but I don't want to miss the rapture. I don't want to miss the coming of the Lord. Now tonight in this message, I'm not going to take time and speak to you of the signs of the times. I'm not going to uh, uh, the signs of the time as far as trying to prove that we're living in the last days. If you don't believe that already, uh, then it'll take a whole lot longer than the time allotted to me tonight to convince you that we are living in the last days. For certainly we are. As a matter of fact, I believe that we are living in the last of the last days. I believe, ladies and gentlemen, that it's not so much the last days anymore. I believe we're living in the final hours of the last days. That this life is just about over. This church dispensation, this church age, this dispensation of grace is just about finished. And so our concern tonight is not that I convince you of that. I believe you know that. I believe you understand that we are close to the end. But I feel that God has sent me here tonight to convince you and me and help us not to become a victim of the spirit of this age. We've been in this, those of us that's been in this for a long, long time, we have seen and are seeing so many people that are becoming victims of the spirit of this last age. And there is a spirit. There's an end time spirit that's come into this world. And so tonight, I want us to so equip ourselves that we will not be victimized by the spirits of the age that are upon us now. But I trust that we all will be able to endure unto the end. For he said, they that endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. When we talk about enduring to the end, it brings to mind a thought that we ought to spend just a few moments on. A lot of people are trying to survive these last days. They're saying, I'm just trying to survive the last days. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus didn't say blessed are they that survive the last days. He said blessed is he that shall endure unto the end. You say well preacher I don't understand the difference. Well those words are, are, are very close akin but they are a little different. When a man is trying to survive a storm he doesn't really know if he's going to make it or not. I hope you're not in survival mode because in survival mode you're doing everything in your power and if I don't move this I'm going to break something and it may be my back Amen. but in a survival mode ladies and gentlemen we're doing everything we can to last one more day but when you're enduring something you know for assurance that you're going to come out on the other side you see the 
disciples had to endure a storm because Jesus said, let us pass over to the other side. And when you've got a promise that you're going to come out of it in victory, Job endured a trial because he said, when I am tried, I shall come forth as gold. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not in survival mode hoping that I'll make it. I'm in endurance mode knowing that I'm going to make it because I have a promise from God that is going to bring me through. So there's a difference between survival and endurance. But he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. Now as we look at this endurance, we look at this running the race with patience. We must look at these three things. First of all, we must not be ignorant of the dangers of the age. We must not be ignorant of the weapons that Satan has come against us with. There are some spirits of dangerous spirits that are in the world today and we must be warned about these spirits. As we look at them, some of these end time warnings that the word of God gives to us today. The perils, the warning signs, the things that we must constantly guard against. He says here, as we look at some of these warning signs of the end of the age, Jesus said, and many shall be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. In these last days, ladies and gentlemen, we must guard against these three things. We must guard against being easily offended. Shout with somebody. We must guard against being easily offended. We must guard against the temptation to talk about and betray a brother. Are you listening to me? And we must guard against a selfish ambition that will actually put disdain, dislike, and hatred into our hearts toward our fellow man. Many, he said, shall be offended because of me. Now, and, and offended with one another. They shall hate one another. I want to ask you something. Have you noticed in the last few years how easily people are offended? I mean, they're so easily offended. I, I'm telling you, know, the kings but sang that old song several years ago. Uh, you know, uh, the, uh, I think it was the king. Did, the preacher didn't even shake my hand, and uh, you know, they get offended. I'm telling you, we've had people, brother Steve, in our church get so offended until it's just pathetic. Uh, I found out last Saturday afternoon, late Saturday afternoon, I found out I had a lady from our church in the hospital. She'd been in the hospital since the last Sunday. I hadn't even been to see her. My father. Isn't that amazing? What a terrible pastor I am. A lady in the hospital a whole week and I've not even been to see her. Well, I don't know she's there. How am I going to go? She's a precious lady. I went right on up and I said, I want to box your jaws. Amen. And she said, why? I said, because you've been here a week. You hadn't called me. I tried to go ahead and turn the tables before before she had a chance to say, Preacher, where have you been? But I had folks quit my church one time because a lady was in the hospital four days and I didn't know it and didn't go sit. I mean, if I'd be a good pastor, I'd have ESP and PST and TSY and everything else and I'd know everything in the world that is going on. You know, you're listening to me. I want to talk to somebody here tonight. That spirit will get a hold of you. That spirit of the age that makes you get offended and your little bit of feelings get hurt all the time. You say, well, preacher, it's no different than it's always been. Well, Jesus said it would. Jesus, talking of the end times, said that there is going to be a spirit that causes people to get offended. Oh, my. You know why some of these things are so silly? It's because there is a spirit spirit of offense that's in this world. You say, why, preacher? Because let me tell you something. It's going to be hard to be raptured with the same people that you're mad with. 
I said, it's going to be hard, Brother Andy, when that trumpet sounds and I'm offended at you and I'm angry with you and I'm mad with you and it's going to be hard for us to rise together in the air. So the devil comes with a spirit of offense. Several years ago, I was preaching revival. I noticed that in the first few nights of that revival, there was an elderly couple. <laughs> They'd probably been married 50 years. I told John Day, I said, we're too young for this. <laughs> there, was an el- there was an elderly couple. They were there every night. I didn't miss a night. Well, they're just having church. And then all of a sudden, one day, one night, revival, they didn't come back. Brother Roger, and they didn't come the next night. And after, I don't know, I'm in two or three services, whatever, they didn't come back. So I asked the pastor. I said, Pastor, I mean, somebody's sick, you know. Somebody's in the hospital. Something's wrong somewhere. I said, Pastor, what about the couple that were coming so faithfully? And now the last there I'm in mean, night, they haven't been to church. He said, oh, preacher, since you asked me, I'll tell you. He said, you know, people have been bringing in food for us to eat during the revival. I said, yeah, man, I like that. He said, well, I, I, I got up in the pulpit the other night, and I thanked Sister So-and-so for the cake that she brought. And I, I said, I want to thank this one for the food that they brought. And, and he said, I mentioned a few names, and, uh, but he said, I forgot one. Amen. And so he said, uh, you know, it was just a, 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 a moment when he forgot. So he said they didn't come to church that night. So he said, I went to see him. Went by the house and I locked on the door. And, and the lady came to the door and uh, I said, well, we missed y'all at church last night. And who's sick? You know what's wrong? They ain't nobody sick. Well, what, what in the world's wrong? Why didn't you come to church? He, she said, preacher, I'll tell you why we didn't come last night. And I'll tell you why we're not coming back. We won't be back to the revival. We won't be back to your church. We're done. We're through. He said, well, what in the world is wrong? She said, do you remember when you got up and said, sister, whatever her name was, brought that cake? He said, yes, I remember. She said, preacher, I want you to know I brought a cake and a pie. And you didn't mention my name, not one time, and we won't be back. Well, glory to God, there's nothing like being super spiritual. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. And we won't be back. He said, well, you know, how they, he said, that just kind of went all over me. And he said, I looked at her. And he said, all right, sis, I'm sorry. And I'll make it up. When I get to that church tonight, I'm going to tell everybody what you did. I'm going to call your name and I'm going to tell them that I missed it you know I didn't mention this not before last but I want a sister so and so brought a cake and he said I turned around to leave about the time I was going down the doorstep she cried out and hollered and don't you forget to tell them about the pie You laugh about that. That's funny. But it's a spirit of the age. It has never been so easy to offend people as it is now. And it's never been so easy to get offended as it is now. My God. All right, so one of the things he said you got to watch You've got to guard yourself against that spirit of offense. I'm talking to you tonight and telling you that when that thing rises up in you, you better put it down because all it is is a spirit of the age wants to knock you out of church, wants you to lose your faith in God, wants you, oh, say man. Then he goes on. He says you'll be offended and you'll betray one another. Now that Bible said if you see your brother in fault, get on Facebook and put it out all over the
the world. Now your Bible said if you see a brother in a fault, get on Instagram, Snapchat, whatever you can get on and be sure everybody knows that you're sitting. No, that ain't what it is. Is that what it said? No, what did it say? It said if you see your brother in a fault, you pray for him. You go to him. You try your best to restore that brother in the faith. It even goes on to say if he won't hear you, you go get another person of faith and two of you go down there and see if you can't restore him. Oh, but, oh God. Woo. Betray one another. You say, but preacher, I saw you. Probably don't know what you saw to start with. I had a pastor's wife come to me. She said, oh. And she called another pastor's name. She said, you're not going to believe where I saw him. Man, I love that guy. I'm prepared for the worst, Brother Steve. She said, you're not going to believe where I saw him. I saw his car. And then I rode by real slow and probably went and drove by six times. Shout with me, somebody. She said, I'll, I, and I saw his car. And then she said, I'll come by. And I saw him when he came out the door. I know for a fact it was him. And you're not going to believe where he was. And you're not going to believe where I saw this preacher. Oh, God. Huh? I said, my God. God, ma'am, what in the world? I thought she was going to say the bar, the honky-tonk, the, the casino. She said, I saw him leaving Mr. and Miss so-and-so's house, and they're not even saved. Just wanting, just looking, just desiring to find a fault in a brother where they could publish the news of my brother's faults. She amen. I looked at her. I said, ma'am, she said, can you believe that that pastor was down there at Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so's house and they're not even saved? I looked at her. I said, ma'am, you'd have had a hard time with Jesus if you'd have been a living when he was on this earth because that day he walked into the house of Zacchaeus, you'd have given up all hope on him right there. I said, that's where we need to be. We need to be saved. But, but brother Andy, what does that tell you about the spirit of the age that we're like a bunch of vultures circling in the sky trying to find a fault in a brother. That book says if you see a fault in a brother, you restore such a one in the faith. My God, somebody say amen, but preacher, but oh my, you better be careful because if the pot keeps calling the kettle black, after a while the pot's going to turn it back on the kettle because with the same judgment you judge you shall be judged thereby it is a spirit of the age and then spirit of the age offended he said offended he said betray one another and hate one another. Now, I believe the Bible is just like it ought to be. I, 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 I'm not going to say that they mistranslated the words of Christ, but I, I'm not going to add to it, but I've got an idea of what he was talking about. I was reading the other day, I, I was studying that verse of Scripture, you know, there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit, working on a sermon to preach to our church, so I was, I was, Brother Rich, I was studying the commentaries and all the, get all the information I could get. So I, I got to this one very popular commentator, and uh, he said, you know, that, that verse there, there's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, uh, you know, walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. When we got to that part, they walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. He said, now that is a mistranslation. 
Now that's not supposed to be there. That verse wasn't supposed to say that. Well, I wish I could get him by the nap of the neck. I got something I want to tell him, buddy. The Holy Ghost didn't mistranslate anything and the Bible said that holy men of old wrote as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. So I don't think they made a mistranslation here when it said they shall hate one another, but I do believe that I could do a little commentary on that. You have to be careful in these last days because you will learn to hate those that watch over your soul. You will learn to despise those that preach against your sin. You are saved and to me right there. So we must heed the warning. Psalm 119 and 165 said, Great peace have they that love thy law and nothing shall defend uh, offend them and nothing shall offend them. God put some spiritual steel-toed shoes on my feet. Help me to pick up the armor, the shield of faith. Help me to pick up the breastplate of righteousness. Help me to take the helmet of salvation where I can quench all the fiery darts of the devil and nothing that anybody says or does is going to offend me because I'm going to walk on streets of gold. I'm going to eat fruit from the tree of life. In time warnings, be careful. Then he said, ladies and gentlemen, in verse 11, you be warned that there are going to be many false prophets and many shall be deceived. There is a spirit of offense in this age. There is also a spirit of deception going on in this age today. A spirit of deception. What is deception, ladies and gentlemen? Deception is changing the road signs. Deception is, my God, oh my. I, you know, I grew up, you know, when I grew up, everything was a sin. And, and, and that's the reason homeless folks eat all the time. Everything else is a sin, so we just So I, I didn't get to watch a lot of cartoons growing up. Woo! Didn't miss out on much, did I? Huh? But you know, I got enough to know a little bit. That old road runner, huh? And oh, what's his name? Wiley, Willie, whatever he can. You know how they say amen to me, somebody. He's always chasing that road runner. Always trying to catch him. But that rock say amen. But that road runner's always changing the road signs. He's switching north to south and south to north and east to west. And that old cow running down there. And he don't know which way to go because the signs have been switched around. That's what's happening in this day, ladies and gentlemen. We've got smart boys in the pulpit trying to explain away what this book says. They're trying to tell you this Bible said something that it did not say. They're trying to tell you this book means something that it did not mean. Let me tell you what you do. You read that book line upon line, precept upon precept. You believe everything it says. And when that man on that TV, that radio, or that pulpit tells you that book didn't mean what it said, you looked at him and say, buddy, I'm my soul is too precious to trust what you're saying. My soul is so precious that I'm going to anchor it in what the Word of God said. What thus saith the Word of God. And he came to me. God love her. She said, I need to ask you a question. I need to ask you a question. Woo! Oh, my. You better be careful when they want to start asking questions. She asked me a question about a certain thing. Listen carefully. I knew in my spirit it was a setup. I knew it was a trick question. 
I knew if I said yes, I was doomed. If I said no, I was doomed. If I said I don't know, I was doomed. Say, oh God, there's no way. It was one of those questions. She wasn't looking for an answer for a question. She was looking for something to get the preacher with. Huh? She was setting a trap for the preacher. That's what she's doing. You ever been asked those kind of questions? So she asked me her question, and I knew that no matter the answer, I'm in trouble. So I said the only way out, my only way, the safest way out is to give her the word of God. I said, sister, let me just give you the word of God. Let me give you something right out of the book. And so I gave her a verse of scripture. She got mad as a striped spider. Say amen. Woo, hallelujah. I said I gave her a verse right out of the word of God, word for word, no paraphrase, just this is what the book said. Gave her a word. She got so mad that it's a wonder she had not a brain hemorrhage. I'm telling you, God was good to that woman. Shout with me somebody. And there's two reasons she's mad. Number one, she's mad because now she has nothing to accuse me of. And number two, she's mad because the Bible said that. She looked at me. Yeah. Face is red. Voice went up about 25 decibels. And this is what she said. Everybody knows that that verse does not mean what it says. There's at least one person in this world didn't know that. I thought for sure it did. Everybody knows that verse doesn't mean what it says. Then I got high blood pressure. Hers was high blood pressure of the body. I got high blood pressure of the spirit. Shout right there. And I looked at her. I said, sis, if God didn't know what he's talking about, you won't never figure it out. You know why? She didn't want the pure, unadulterated word of God. You know why she didn't want it? It's because it didn't fit her concept and her precept of lifestyle that she was living. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. So he said, you got to guard against it. He said, there's going to come some times, Brother Steve, when those people in that congregation, they'd rather you give them a watered-down version than to give them the plain vanilla, oh, the plain old blue ribbon kind right out of that Word of God. That's the warnings. Don't be offended. Don't be deceived. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, when you are constantly changing your belief, when you are constantly changing your idea, when you believe one thing on Monday, another thing on Friday before the week's up, and next week you've changed again, there's something going on in your spirit. Hey, listen, I, in this last day, when men are being deceived, your prayer ought to be every day, Lord, lead me in the truth. Lead me in the truth. Lead me in the righteousness. Show me the way to heaven and show me the way to home then he said one more warning and I'm going to go to some challenges because iniquity shall abound the love of many shall wax cold is that fire burning tonight or has this end time spirit put out the fire that's burning in your soul three warnings right here from this text in the end, there's a spirit of offense. In the end, there is a spirit of deception. And in the end time, there is a spirit of coolness that will come over your soul. That's three end time warnings. We could give an altar call right now because some of us are fallen prey to the spirit of offense, the spirit of deception, and the spirit of cooling off. But thank God some are not. 
Some of your names been drugged through the mud, and you're still shouting. <laughs> Some of you been hurt. You've heard it all. You've heard all the theological lies, but you're still standing on truth. Some of you are living in a world, ladies and gentlemen, that is so full of sin, but you're still on fire for God. Send somebody say amen. But now let's consider just a few end time challenges. I'd like to take us to the book of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. These are warnings that I just shared with you. Now let's get some challenges. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promise. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works not forsaken the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. There are three warnings. Offense, deception, and lukewarmness. There are three challenges. Three things that we must work out. Number one, keep your faith strong. Keep your faith alive. Keep your heart safe and somebody. Ah, we're living in a day today, ladies and gentlemen, when the profession of our faith is getting harder and harder and harder to hold. You say, preacher, why? Because we're seeing so many falling by the wayside. But you've got to know what you believe. You've got to know why you believe it. You've got to know what that belief's going to do and you've got to stand on that faith come hell or high water. You've got to stand in front of hell and say this is what I believe and I Your faith it's a challenge. It's an end time challenge to keep your faith from wavering. Now incorporated in that word faith from the book of Hebrews are a lot of things. That includes what you believe. The convictions that God's put into your heart. Somebody asked me not too long ago, you know, Joe and I, we, we, near God, we preach all the time. Somebody asked me, said, why do you preach all the time? I said, well, let me ask you a question. Why do truck drivers drive trucks all the time? They said, because they're truck drivers. I said, well, there's your answer. I'm a preacher. Say amen. Huh? Are you listening to me? Somebody asked me, you know, as we travel this country, we preach in all kinds of churches. You wouldn't believe some of the places we've been. You wouldn't believe some of the places we've been. I don't have time. You know, I get telling stories. We'll be here all night. We, we, we. We preached in places so tight and so strict and so conservative. If you spit anything, but if you chewed red bubble gum, spit red, I believe you'd go to hell. I mean, everything was safe. If you don't spit white, you know. Then we've gone to those churches where absolutely nothing's safe. We, we were in a conference once, preaching in a conference, and I don't have time. To, if I had time to tell you that story, you'd just die. So I won't tell it. I don't want you to die. But we were in a service. They got up there and called for their Holy Spirit dancers to come up and dance. Hey, folks, I'm telling the truth. And about eight or ten or twelve young ladies, young girls, walked up to the front of that church. Now, I'm fixing to embarrass my little wife, but she was there. It embarrassed me, so they walked up there. I don't even know what you call them. Somebody said they had on a tutu. I don't even know what a tutu is. But that wasn't no two-two. It might have been a one-one. <laughs> there wasn't enough of it to be two, I can tell you. All right, I'm on, you, 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 I got your curiosity up, I got to tell you, right? They had on white, I guess, leotards, panty, whatever, white. And a white bodysuit. It looked to me like a swimsuit. And ladies and gentlemen... That's all they had on between them and God. And they started that music, and those girls started that gyrating. My God. I preached after that. They didn't like it, but it did. 
Somebody asked me, said, how in the world can you go preach in churches from every end of the spectrum, Brother Rogers, and everything that's in between? I said, I'll tell you how I can do it. Because that girl right there and, and me, we know what we believe when we get there. And we know when we leave, we're going to still be believing the same thing because we have settled in our faith. Can you, come on, say amen to me. It, it's a challenge. Sometimes it's a challenge. Sometimes it's a challenge to stay where you know you're supposed to be in your faith when everybody else is wavering. But the challenges of the end time, oh my, it's a challenge to hold fast that faith. Can I just preach to you for a moment? Now? I want to ask you, ladies and Gentlemen, have you turned to the right? Have you turned to the left? Are you still walking that old path that the Holy Ghost put you on when you were first born again? That's what I want to know. Yes, Sarah, preacher, I'm not sure. I saw brother so-and-so, sister so Listen, are you living for man? I want to tell you, when you can find a man that can wash away your sins, follow him. When you can find a man that can heal your body, listen to his lies. When you can find a man that can set your boy through for free from drugs, you listen to him. When you can find a man that can cause gravity to lose its hold and let you go sailing through the air, you believe him. Well, I want to tell you, I found that man. I found that man that could wash away my sins. I found that man that could heal my body. I found that man that can bring my daddy out of the grave. That's the reason I'm going to follow Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I'm going to keep my faith. We're challenged to keep the faith strong. And then we're challenged to consider one another and provoke not and to provoke unto love. Consider one another. I'll translate that for you. Don't be self-centered. It doesn't always have to be your way. Let somebody else make the call sometime. I'm not talking about spiritual. I'm talking about the color Kool-Aid you're going to serve at the picnic. Sometimes let somebody else choose. Joe and I were talking about some folks today that cannot work. They just cannot work together because they're both right. And they're on opposite ends, but they're both right. And neither one willing to give. You say, well, preacher, that's this world. Oh, no, that's a spirit of the age, and it's a challenge to prefer your brother. It's a challenge to prefer your brother. Because we live in a generation all about me. Reminds me. Don't be, reminds me of a little poem that I got a hold of one time. I jotted it down here. Said, I had a little tea party this afternoon at three. The crowd was very small. Just I, myself, and me. Myself ate all the sandwiches while I drank up the tea. I also ate the pie while pushing the cake to me. It's a challenge not to feel that way. It's a challenge to keep your faith. It's a challenge to love your brothers and sisters. And there's one more. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is and so much the more as you see the day approach. He said in the, as that end time, that day approaches, it's going to be a challenge for you to be faithful to church. Is that not right? Anybody, anybody see that spirit at work today? Not, I'm not talking about in you. I'm talking about in other folks you know. <laughs> Say Amen. 
Does anybody see a spirit of the age that is presenting a challenge for folks to go to church, faithfully to church? Church in this last day is not important anymore. I go enough. I go once a month. There, God, what else can you expect? I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen. I expect a little more than that. He said, forsake not. Don't start missing church. How many of you want to make the rapture? You better be warned of the offense. You better be warned of the deceit, gentlemen. You better rise to the challenge. Rise up and meet the challenge of this end time, the challenge to your faith, the challenge to your love for your brother, and the challenge to be faithful to the house of God. I want to tell you something. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm as old-fashioned as cornbread and rutabagas. I can't help it. That's just me. I do not, I am not sure that when that trumpet sounds on a Sunday morning and they're having church in this house of God and you're sitting out on a lake of fishing instead of being in the house of God, I'd hate to take a chance on your chance of getting wrapped. I know work, obligations, everything. But it's a challenge sometimes to be faithful. All right, let's go on. We got some warnings. We've got some challenges. Now let's get some promises. Glory be to God. Some end time promises. Some promises given to God. Number one, I will never leave you nor forsake you. No matter how bad it gets, I am going to be there with you. We have a promise, ladies and gentlemen, that in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. That is a last day promise. That in the, oh dear God, ladies and gentlemen, I am expecting the heavens to open any day now. I'm expecting the Holy Ghost to begin to rain down in this world. I was in that room this afternoon getting ready to preach to you this sermon. And my God, Brother Roger, my heart began to feel and my heart began to believe that we are on the verge of the greatest outpouring of the Spirit of God that we've ever seen. You say, why, preacher? Because he promised it. I said he promised it. These men are not drunk as you suppose. See, and it's but the third hour of the day, but this is that that was prophesied and spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith God, I pour out my spirit on all flesh. Woo! Your sons, your daughters, are going to prophesy. Who, preacher? Who is he going to pour out in the last days? Who's going to receive that promise? Huh? Everybody? No. Every church? Every Christian, no. I know churches all across this country, they think if they don't have revival, ain't nobody having revival. They'll probably be the last one to get it. They're so stinking self-righteous. But who is that promise to? He said it's to you, to your children, as many and far off as many as the Lord our God shall call. But now let's, let's narrow it down. The end time promise who is it for? And I've I, I, I got some things here. I, the outpouring of the Spirit on all flesh. The third day. My God, any time the third day is mentioned in that book prophetically, it means the end of that church age. My Father, oh yes, Hosea. Hosea cried out in, the, in chapter 6. That book of Hosea. Hosea cried out to us, chapter 6 and verse 2. He said, after two days, he will revive us. Woo! After 
after two days, he will revive us. And the third day, he shall raise us up and we shall live in his sight. That's an end time promise. I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen, but I'm beginning to feel Ezekiel's wheel in the middle of a wheel begin to turn a little bit in this place tonight. It's an end time promise. After two days, he will revive us. And the third day, he will raise us up. We shall live in his sight. There was a wedding in the feast in Cana of Galilee. And the third day, he turned water into wine. What are you saying? Ladies and gentlemen, prophetically, what that means is that he turned that that was common and that that was carnal into my God. He said, I'm going to pour out a mass. Who? Who is going to get it? Those that heed the end time warnings and that rise to the end time challenge will receive the end time promise. That's who it is, Brother Henry. You say, preacher, I'm just waiting on it. Ho, ho, ho. You didn't heed the warning. You got offended. Ho, 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 ho. I'm waiting on that end time promise. No, no, no. Uh-uh. You didn't heed the warning. You got deceived. I'm waiting on that end time promise. You didn't rise to the challenge. You didn't keep the faith. I'm waiting for that end time promise, preacher. You didn't love your brother. The end time promise will be realized by those who have heard and heeded the end time warning and who have risen to the end time challenge. Brother Andy, to God be the glory. Not to you or any other man. But Brother Andy, I believe that you have heeded the end time warnings. I believe that this man, though he's been talked about, though he's been ridiculed, though his name, I'm sure, you say, preacher, you know anything? No, I, I, yeah, I know something. I know. But he's still standing, still in that pulpit. He's not yet been deceived, folks, and he's not going to be. He's still preaching, you thus saith the word of the Lord. Are you listening to me? Are you listening? This man has risen to the challenge. He has kept the faith. He's even faithful to church. <laughs> Shout right there, somebody. You know what I believe about Brother Andy? I believe because he's heeded the end time warning and he's risen to the end time challenge that he is now expecting the end time promise. Aren't you, Brother Andy? Now you're expecting to come in this building one Sunday morning and the glory of God is going to fill this house like it feels Solomon's temple. I think you're getting a hold of this truth now. I want you to ask yourself the question, have I heeded the end time warnings? Have I risen to the end time challenge? If you can say yes with a pure heart, with a clear conscience, and with a clear mind, then you can say I'm waiting for the end time promise. I'm waiting for the outpouring of the Spirit. But that's not the last end time promise that we have, ladies and gentlemen. That's not the last one at all. Somebody hear me. That's not the last end time promise that God has given to us, that he will pour out of his Spirit upon all flesh. No, but he's given us many, many, many more of those promises. I'm waiting. I pray to God that I have heeded these end time warnings and have not given in to a spirit of offense. I pray that I've heeded these end time warnings and have not given in to a spirit of deception. My 
God. I pray, Brother Roger, that I've risen to the end time challenge and have kept the faith. I pray that I've kept and maintained my love for the brethren and I've been faithful to church. I can tell you that. I've been faithful to go. We go all the time. Ladies and gentlemen, now I'm expecting the end time promise that in the last days, if God, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. But that's not the only end time promise that I'm expecting. Listen to me. I would not have you ignorant brethren concerning them which are asleep that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. This is an end time promise. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and a voice of an archangel and with a trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds and so shall we ever be with the Lord. My God, what a promise. Amen. What a promise. What a promise. Did you say, preacher? What if I've not heeded the warning and I've allowed the spirit of the age to offend me? What if I have not heeded the warning? What if I am not risen to the challenge and I have compromised my faith? Can I still claim the end time promise? There may be some asking yourself that question. Let me answer it this way. If you have left your first love, repent. And do your first works over. And then you can expect to be a recipient of the end time promise. Give me some music. I want to ask you, Brother Kevin, would you do me a favor? Whoever's going up to all of you, would you play that old song? When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. How many hands could I see tonight? Says, Preacher, I certainly want to be a part of the end time promises. I certainly want to be a part. Richie, of the last day outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I've got a brother that I haven't spoken to since 1974 when that accident took his life. I have a father that I haven't spoken to since 2013, April the 2nd, because the death angel came. We haven't got to talk to your mother either in quite a while. But me, miss out on that promise? Me, compromise my faith? And miss out on that promise? Me? Lay out of church? And miss out on that promise? Me? Hate the brethren? And miss out on that promise? Not on your life. Not on your life, brother. Not a tabaka, tabaka. I want you to stand. Before we come to the altar, before we move at all. I want you to do something for me. Brother Kevin's going to lead us in that old song. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more and the morning breaks eternal right and fair. I want you to close your eyes. I want us to sing it together. 
And I want you to monitor. As you sing this song, I want you to monitor the feeling that's in your heart. Will it be excitement? When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Are you going to feel excitement as you sing it? Or will there be a certain worrisome burden that it just might not be so? It's not too late. It's not too late to heed the warning. It's not too late, ladies and gentlemen, to rise to the challenge. It's not too late to partake of the promise. With your eyes closed, sing it, Brother Kevin. Lead us. We're all going to sing. The Lord, time shall be no more. And the morning breaks eternal bright and fair. When the shade of earth shall gather on the, on the other shore. And the roll is called feeling of joy and elation or is there a little worrisome burden in that Just a minute, Brother Kevin. Look at me now. We're going to sing that third verse. How do you feel about that? When the saved of earth shall gather. Say, so, well, preacher, I hadn't been too good at looking at the one. Is there joy? Or is there some kind of burden, some fear that maybe, maybe I hadn't kept the faith? So we're going to sing the third verse. And while we sing that third verse, we're going to open these altars to everybody in this house that says, Preacher, I will heed the end time warnings. I will rise to the end time challenge that I may be partaker of the end time promise. Is that what you want? Sing it and let's fill these altars. That third verse. Let us labor for oh, the master all right. from the dawn the to the college Let us talk of all his wondrous love Then when all of life is over and our work on earth is done. Don't you want to see those lovers? Yonder I'll be there when the roll, when the roll is called up yonder under when the roll is called up yonder when the roll is called up yonder I think we ought to sing that second verse because it touches that promise. Got anybody you want to meet in glory? Hallelujah! Who got my When his chosen ones shall gather to their home beyond the skies, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Repent and do your first work. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When 
Amen. I believe you've heeded the warning. I believe you've risen to the challenge. I believe you're going to be partaker of the promise. Woo! Hallelujah. Come on, saints of God. Put your hand on somebody's shoulder. Say, God, we want to be protectors of the end time promise. Just ask God to forgive you. Brother Greg. I want to see my father. Slave. 